Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Hi, everyone. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Welcome to Yoga Birth Babies, a podcast produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. We will be diving into everything prenatal yoga, birth, and baby-related, hoping to inspire, educate, and empower you through your journey into motherhood. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Deb Flaschenberg. I'm your host for Yoga Birth Babies, and today we're talking telehealth because I think it's going to be a while until we're back and forth to our care providers in a way we're used to. So we're going to talk about what to expect at these telehealth visits, what can be done via telehealth, what can't be done, questions to ask, how to be prepared. And to have this conversation, I have Eugenia Montesenos. I hope I said that correctly. She is a midwife here in New York City. She was born and raised in Peru, and she began her professional career as a veterinarian until she moved to the United States. She's both a certified nurse midwife and a women's health nurse practitioner since 2000, and she works in both Manhattan and Brooklyn. And she is currently a midwife right now during this pandemic, so she's the perfect person to speak to about this interesting topic. I think you'll really like it. Before we get to that, big, big announcement. Caprice and I have decided that uh, we're going to take our fall teacher training online. So we do this in New York twice a year. We do it throughout the country. And in the spring, we had to make a pretty quick decision and pivot it to online. And we did it. And I really enjoyed it. It was really exciting, actually, because we already have the foundation very well understood. We just kept looking for more and more ways to make it interactive. And I think it really, it turned out really great. So we decided instead of waiting till last minute to see what happens, we're just going to take a stance and we're bringing it online. So this really opens up a door because our training is two long weekends here in New York City. And for some, that's great, but others, that's a huge burden and a huge expense to come back and forth, and it's just not feasible. And now we've opened up that that doesn't have to be the case. We'll still have it in two very long weekends, Thursday night through Sunday, and you'll do it from your own home. And we take breaks, and we just plow through the information. It's We break into groups. We talk. It's a discussion. We explore. We dig into this information, and now we can do it online. And I'm really excited that we made that decision so that people can plan ahead. So we also have some smaller online courses. You can take a look at that. And everything else at Prenatal Yoga Centers Online, everything from our daily prenatal yoga classes, postnatal baby and me, to our childbirth education, even our infant safety CPR is online because that's what we have to do right now. And I think we've really done it well, and I'm really, really proud of my team for what they've done and how quickly we've moved everything to this new platform. I also wanted to share a review that was left on Apple Podcasts. Now, when I read this, I thought, okay, I know who wrote this. So if you're listening, a deep thank you. I really appreciate it. Okay, I'm going to read what she wrote. Invaluable resource. Yoga Birth Babies was my go-to podcast during pregnancy. I loved being able to scroll through the archive and look at an episode on a topic I was curious about. 
The community birth stories kept me sane and hopeful as I waited for my baby to come 13 days past my due date. I don't know what I would have done without this resource during that time. And now that my daughter's almost two months old, I still love listening and appreciating the postpartum topics. Deb, thank you for providing something like this for expectant and new mamas. And thank you for leaving that. And I'm really appreciative and I can't wait to see you again. I think that's it. All right. I gave you all the announcements. We're going to take a super quick break. And when we come back, please enjoy my conversation with Eugenia. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, Eugenia. How are you? Hi, how are you? I'm, I'm okay. doing good. I am so excited to speak with you. So thank you for giving me a little of your time. I know how incredibly busy you must be right now. Um, so I'm really excited to have a chance to dive into this topic of telehealth. I know that my students are concerned about how are they going to see their care providers during this time. So thank you. Thank you for your time. Of course, yes. So I guess let's just jump into telling me a little bit about yourself and the work that you do. Well, um, uh, first of all, I am uh, originally from Peru. And um, in Peru, I used to be a veterinarian, and uh, I moved to the United States, and I became a midwife once I had a baby with a midwife. And um, I said, wow, this is really interesting, and uh, it would be better to work with real women than just work with animals, even though I love animals too. So I decided to become a midwife. And um, yeah, ever since I love it and I'm so glad I did that switch. And I think women uh, need more midwives. And where are you practicing right now? Right now I practice at Metropolitan Hospital. It's uh, one of the city's hospitals in Upper East Side. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's where we are at. And also, I have another. Uh, private, we have a private practice that we work around 12th Street. We're doing Six and Seven Avenue, and it's called Village Maternity. Uh, all you see are midwives there. It's a great practice. I've heard fantastic things about that practice. So I'm really excited to speak with you. So I guess let's dive into healthcare. <laughs> Healthcare during yeah. this pandemic because it's not what many of us are used to. Um, so, what's it looking like right now? Well, um, right now, um, let's just start at how it happened and what changes it happened. Sure, jump uh, in. As, yeah, as soon as the coronavirus came, uh, it was something new for everyone. And uh, we knew it through news how, what was happening in China, but we didn't. We were not prepared to the extent how it's going to be coming here. And especially in the maternal care area, we didn't think about it. You know, while one people thinks about what is going on in terms of health itself, but not if you are not in the um, women's health um, campus, you have no idea. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're going to become a, a mother. Nobody's talking about that. 
we all talk about what is infection and how you get contacted and who are dying, but we are not thinking about pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So that was a big change for us. And, um, and we are, you know, women also get like a gets flu every year. They are going to be prone to get also COVID. It, it will be infection because there is no way not to be infected. And uh, so those things happen, and and then we started to have changes as women were coming. And at the very beginning, we thought it was just a common cold or a flu, which we happened, and we recommended a flu vaccine for the same reason, because pregnancy women have a lot of tendency to get the, the flu. Uh, so these things have changed a lot. And it, was, it took us for, uh, also as a surprise that how now we're going to be dealing with this. We were not ready for the amount of changes that is going to happen. So um, it, it, it became a little hard for us because we are also susceptible to get infected, mm-hmm. not because of the mothers coming, because uh, in any place. Uh, for, uh, for me, for example, I take the train. I don't drive. So my chances to get infected is very high. Um, because in the train, it's a, a, you know, and especially in rush hour, where that is the time that I'm going and taking the train, and that is the chance that you're gonna get infected. So it's not because I'm seeing the pregnant mothers; it's just because how I commute. Mm-hmm. So the chances get higher. And, at, um, mm-hmm. at what point did you guys stop? I guess we can. This is kind of jumping all over. But when did you stop seeing? people in the office or have you stopped seeing people in the office? Cause I know, you know, it's not like a regular checkup, you know, like if someone like my daughter had her six year checkup and that was kind of in and out, like this is a little bit more in depth. How, how we, how did you stop that? And what's going on with people's care during their pregnancy and postpartum? Yeah, well, it changed. At the very beginning, as I said, it changed very slowly. Mm-hmm. As the whole infection and everything was getting harder and harder, we decided to, we don't want to be exposed to our mothers when they come to see us in a, either in the office or in the clinics. Mm-hmm. We wanted to now have to change it completely because the, the more they come while they're in the waiting area, uh, something you are, the chances are, higher to get infected. So we decided to just change how we're going to be dividing this, uh, the prenatal care. We, um, we especially went and divided among what is the critical points that we need to see when we have to do certain testings that they need to be done. And uh, so we just said we call milestones. And then we said, okay, so when a woman got pregnant, sometimes they come around eight weeks, the very first time they find out they're pregnant. And we change it. We change it. We're saying we're not going to see you at eight weeks. We're going to see you at the time that we can do certain tests, like at the prenatal first trimester test when it's a lot of genetic testing. We're going to do. Right. Yes. Uh, Around, we do between 11 to 13, because that is a crucial time to see the nuchal translucency mm-hmm. to do some um, genetic screening and all that. And then after that, we're going to be seeing you again at the time that we're going to be checking about um, the risks for spina bifida 
and all that. So that will be between 18 to 20 weeks. And we go together with a sonogram when we're going to see everything about the anatomy of the baby, how is everything growing, and if that's what it is. So, and then we did another one that we is a crucial time that we're going to see when we do around 28 weeks. And we want to do a testing for just to see if you are, have a risk to have um, uh, diabetes. Mm-hmm. So, and also if you have, let's say, your your uh, Rh blood type is negative, that is a time that we're going to give you a medication that is called Rogam. So we have to be, that is the time we decided that this is a crucial time to see it. So that is what decided. So then we see it at uh, 36 weeks, which is at around the time that we want to do how is preparing that this is the last exam that preparing for birth. So when it's going to be uh, testing, blood testings, and also we want to see what we call a streptococcus, and that is a vaginal test that is very important to know by the time of delivery. Mm-hmm. So, so you are, are still the, doing yeah. that. That I was we wondering are. about that. That I know yeah. those those landmark points. So those are still in person. Yes. Has yeah. anyone declined any of them? Are they are people too anxious or nervous to come in and see you face to face? Surprisingly enough, no. Okay. Very make you want to know. You know, when you are a mother, you really think about the health of your baby. Oh, absolutely. And I was actually uh, thinking that 12-week, I remember going in for my kids at first, like the eight-week check, just to be like, hey, there's a heartbeat. And then that follow-up 12-week. So right. I was my, I, when I heard you first say the 12-week, I felt kind of that anxiety for the new parents that really want that confirmation. No, we do. We do want to talk over the phone. And we explain you the reason why. And then we want to just to tell you that. So you, even though the first time uh, we do a televisit, and then we call you for the in-person. So that it's important. So if you are anxious, we talk about it. We talk not, you know, to give you the rationale, what is going on with you, how you're feeling. Because sometimes in early pregnancy, you can get really a lot of hormonal changes, and you have nausea, you have all kinds of things that it may happen. We talk about that. So we tell you, yes, we want to talk to you. You can call us, and let's let's set up a time, and then we talk about everything that is happening with you. So those were the landmark ones that you see the person. Did you do you do one after 36 weeks? Until before we birth? do. Yeah, we do if according to what it is going on uh, with a person. If we see, let's say, a mom who is a first-time mom and she's already over the 35, and uh, we wanted to check it a little closer because the tendency even to become a preeclantic or anything, it's a little higher. So we decided according how she's doing and what is happening in the pregnancy. And then we decide to see a little more often. If not, if it's not every week, every two weeks or something like that. If it's the first time, mom. If you already had a baby and, and previous baby was okay, and so you know the mother is gonna be a little more self-assured of the things, and she will know what is happening because you already have it. So you already had a baby, and the first time, mom is more, more um, anxious, and they don't know everything is new, and your body changes are new, and you are more, even if you don't see it, uh, your provider, you get even more nervous about it. So we try to accommodate how you feel about it. And then we, we reassure you. And if you need to be seen, we, yeah, we said, yes, sure, we will see you. 
So I don't know if it's overkill, but I've heard some of my students had said they've gotten their own blood pressure cuff. Um, one of my friends said she got a tape measure so she can measure fetal growth. Do you think this is overkill or is this something you suggest? Um, I think about the blood pressure cuff, we do. We do prescribe, actually, because we wanted to know, especially when we see, uh, as I said to you, people or a pregnant woman who will be more or less and the, and the person who will develop. Um, we do prescribe the um, blood pressure cuffs, but we don't, uh, we don't do the measurements of the belly. But one of the things that we said, if you have a, um, a scale for your weight, Mm. So the weight, it will tell me related how the baby is growing. And so those are one of the things that we ask, how the weight gain is going. And that will tell us a little bit about how the baby is also growing. And there is a lot of things I ask about the, along with the blood pressure and the weight and all that. And if uh, how are the blood pressure and how about the retention of water if they feel like uh, your feet or your hands have got swollen. And that will give me another more chances that um, that something is going on with her. If it's not that, that means a baby is growing. Mm-hmm. So the weight, the weight is going to tell me about the fetal growth of the baby. That makes so, a lot of yeah. sense. Yeah, it's, we don't, it's overkill to be measuring. And, um, you know, like, I think it will be too much. <laughs> Yeah, and that could stress someone out. So what exactly. Are, yeah, we don't want to do that. But what are no. some of the questions that we want to make sure that people are asking at these telehealth conversations? Well, they usually are asking about, more worry about the hospital. How is it going to be in the hospital? What is going to happen if my water breaks? And, and um, so the big problem was before, when you remember the two hospitals did not allow a support person. I do not remember that. Partner. That was horrible. <laughs> that was, it was horrible. It was a big team. And I am, uh, I am cha- uh, chair of the New York City midwives. So we really blasted and we called uh, Como. We called everyone to, I mean, to change this because you cannot not have a person in there. Because the chances are really higher to be having a C-section, to be having all kind of problems. So it was a lot of pressure on, on uh, Como, of course, um, helped with that. And he said, no, they should have uh, a one person. And that the partner, uh, the, um, I said, um, the World Health Organization also supports that they should have a one person. So uh, including the CDC. So we went with that and... Uh, so it changed. So that alleviated a little bit the anxiety of all the mothers. So that was one of the things that they were calling, and they were going really um, upset about that. So that have changed. And because of that, some of the plenty mothers, they left the state. They went to another state where they can have a support person. Mm-hmm. And because they were scared, not only now is COVID, it's also now you, I'm going to be laboring alone, which is crazy, uh, inhumane, and it's, it, it doesn't make any sense at all. It will be overkill for us, and we don't have enough stuff to begin with, and uh, who is going to be the woman with? Yeah. She's going to be all alone in pain, and, 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 and one of the things that we said, even if 
they needed an epidural. Our anesthesiologists are very busy intubating people who are sick. So the chance for her to have an epidural is going to be longer, waiting long, and maybe not have it. So it was a lot of things. And one of the things that we also use is a nitrous oxide. Because of the um, COVID, we cannot use that. And she's not going to have any other kind of relief. And uh, so a lot of things, uh, we talk about it and we explain one of the reasons why a woman needs a support person. It's not only medical issues, a lot of emotional issues. Yeah, that's Emotion- the thing I was concerned about, like the it's, emotional impact afterwards. It is, exactly. It's in the mother, in the father, and the partner. Mm-hmm. And it's going to change the life, the whole entire life of the whole family. Everybody is going to have a different kind of emotional uh, problems that is going to happen. And the woman alone, and the father not being with the baby who, who they were waiting for such a long time. Mm-hmm. And it's just crazy. And the infant, we're going to separate the infant right away. It's going to be, it, it was going to be a lot of big consequences, including that, uh, not the breastfeeding, the attachment. I mean, even now we, we have, we don't know what is going to happen. It still is going to be a lot of trauma, uh, including that being there is going to be a trauma. Yes. Because of the whole COVID is going to be a trauma. It's going to be very traumatic and we're not going to know right now. And I think we're going to know down the road, and uh, even in children, for me, I think it's going to be down the road when they're coming be teenagers or something. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a lot of things that we're going to see it later on. So that's a great question to ask. What are the protocols? What are their questions? Should somebody make sure that they're asking their care provider during this telehealth? I mean, how, how quick are these telehealth appointments? I know that I looked at a study years ago that the average, now I know a, a midwife practice tends to have longer appointments than a mm-hmm. more classic, like more traditional OB. Those are like six or seven minutes long. So how long are these telehealth um, meetings? And then what are questions we want to make sure listeners ask so that they really can feel prepared? Uh, I, I, the questions are, well, telehealth, it became a little longer because now we are dealing not only about the pregnancy alone, and it's also about the, what emotional things are happening, what are the anxious things are happening uh, with the whole infection, what is the corona, what is going to happen, plus about the baby, the, how is your pregnancy going, and how is the pregnancy uh, if my baby is growing enough, or if what I'm feeling is okay, if she's feeling some depressed and she's not eating, what is going on, you know? We have to cover more. So the eight minutes, that, like you said, we usually give a, around between 15 to 20 minutes a visit. But in this, in telehealth, we're trying to give as much as we can. Sometimes it's not that crazy busy for us. So we do either half an hour, a good amount of time. And, um, so, and also we tell them, before you even come to the next telehealth, I want you to write everything that you want to talk. So that way you don't forget about the things that you wanted to tell me so we can cover that. Mm. And uh, one of the things our practice did, uh, which is also good, uh, we gave them the number 
um, we call uh, the LND number, which is labor and delivery, that we are open 24-7, that they can call us. If they have any questions that are quick questions, they can call us, and then we'll respond right away at that moment. And then I think that also gives you some reassurance that someone else is going to respond at any time. Like if before I go to sleep at 11 o'clock, now I am worried about this. So she can call us. So I love that you're telling people to write it down. What are some of the things that, that uh, I wouldn't say students, they're not students, they are clients, um, the right. pregnant people are showing up asking about or concerned about? Uh, well, one of the concerns was, like you said, if my baby is growing. Mm-hmm. And so that is one of the things. And how I know my baby is healthy. Mm-hmm. So how you know the baby? So one of the things that the, about the healthiness of the baby is if your baby is moving, if your baby is just, if you see you're gaining weight and the baby is moving, the baby is fine. One of the big things for us is the baby movement. A warning sign for us if the baby is not moving, they should call us right away or come to us and immediately because that is going, something is going on if the baby is not moving. Of course, there are times our baby have to sleep, just like us. They do mm-hmm. have a sleeping patterns and, and that. And, and then usually the woman knows when the baby moves the most. So we follow that. And if, if she worries, so we believe her because she knows more than us. She's, she's 24 hours with her every day, 24-7. Do you ever have them drink juice or something before? Because yeah. I remember with my second, I within a matter of probably like six or seven minutes, I had gotten myself hysterical. I was like, oh my God, the baby's not moving. I went to have juice. I put like an ice pack on my belly. I was like poking the baby around. And this is probably literally like six or seven minutes. And I had talked myself into like this, oh my God, right. something's wrong. And the baby probably was sleeping. Um, so before, yeah. before you bring him in, do, you do. Oh. We do. Yeah. <laughs> We do that test. We do that test. We say, take your, uh, some juice, something cold, and then lie that on your left side. And the baby should, after you drunk, after one hour that you drank already, so you lie down. Because you, you, you have to remember that needs to get in your system. <laughs> any, any juice or anything, you have to wait until then the baby starts to react. Oh, if we turn the, I yeah. literally was like, <laughs> I was like pushing my belly around. I'm like, wake up. Like it was, all right, no. So that was a little overkill. <laughs> exactly. So you have to just wait a, wait a little bit and then get <laughs> in your bloodstream and then the baby is going to be moving. So if that baby doesn't move in, within that lots of time, so then is a warning sign. Then you call me immediately and then I say to you, come, mm-hmm. you got to come. So those are the things that, should be any woman should know that baby should move okay and a baby should also sleep and if don't panic if it is just remember when is the time that the baby moves most and also when was the last time you ate right so if you don't eat the baby's not going to get any of that uh, calories that a baby needs also for growing and moving and all that and so then you're also having people get a scale and check their weight regularly i'm guessing uh, yeah, well, not every day. No, but like but, some... Right, yes. Yeah, yes. like when they would for an, a regular appointment, if you're not right. seeing them, to, yes. to track yes. that. Exactly. This and uh, we always recommend a lot of water. The, we, I'm going to ask you what is the color of your urine, and that way I will know also if, it's, if she's being hydrated or not. 
uh, one of the main things in pregnancy is hydration, hydration. So we avoid to be, uh, we're going to clean the kidneys. We avoid any kind of UTIs, like urinary infections, which is very prone to getting pregnancy and all those things. Sometimes it gets asymptomatic. You don't feel it, but, and then it slowly grows. So mm-hmm. water is super important for us. This is great. So, okay, I want to take a quick break. When we come back, if you, and I know we can only speak on behalf of the hospital you work at, but if you can talk about the protocols expectant parents can expect in a hospital. So we'll be right back and we'll talk about those protocols. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, we are back. So I know if someone is birthing at a birth center or hospital, they're probably a little anxious about what should they expect when they walk in those doors. So what are some of the protocols expectant parents can expect as they get into the hospital? One thing I heard is that everyone's getting the COVID test upon arrival, but some people actually leaving before the results come in. So I don't know if you can speak to that at all. Yeah. Uh, we we're changing ever since the whole COVID became more and more and more. So a lot of hospitals, they've been testing upon arrival to everyone. And um, some other hospitals, they didn't. One, because we didn't have enough testing kits. So the ones who really, uh, I think a lot of private hospitals, they have testing kits more available, and they were testing every single one, regardless if they have some symptoms or not. And uh, so as the tests became more available, so they've been changing. For example, I'm going to talk about mine. Up until yesterday, we were not testing everyone. So if you were in labor, you would come, and if I don't see, we we check your temperature, we check everything. If I don't see any of those signs, you will not be tested. Just recently, as I said, as of yesterday, we changed it. We just had, we have now more available testing kits, and we say now they, we got the, you know, the powers to be. They tell us from now on, every have to be, every woman have to be tested, regardless. So that is what happened. And as you said, uh, sometimes the testing don't come back quickly. So we are becoming now with quick testing that is coming a little more shorter and quicker. Um, so some of them, you know, we have the response within the 24 hours. That is a time that also we keep a woman now. We don't want to keep a longer time because of the whole purpose and not get infected. The longer you are in any hospital, there's more chances to get infected because there are more people coming and we don't know who is infected or not. 
as you know already, that a lot of people are asymptomatic. So we don't want that. So we try not to keep them for a long time. And they've been discharged within the 24 hours. So when they get there, I mean, in the past, again, I haven't been out of birth during COVID or actually in a while. I was a doula for many years, but we would Mm -hmm. be waiting in the waiting room and then we'd be in triage and then we'd get in our room. How are people now when they get there? Is there still a waiting room? Is there still triage? Are they going straight to their room? Are people going into the hall to get ice still? How, what does it look like on the actual L and D floor? Well, these days, uh, there is no waiting area. So when you are in labor, you are going to come only with one person. You have to choose either your husband, your partner, or your doula, either one. And then there is, uh, and then you go straight, you go to triage while you are in triage and your partner or your doula or your support person is going to be waiting while we evaluate you. Once we uh, evaluate you, you are in labor, we go to your room and you stay in your room with your partner. So that is what ha- until you have the baby. And of course, sometimes we, there is such an induction of labor. When that happens, it's going to be longer and they can order their food. They can eat in their room and that is, it's happening. This is specifically in my place. So you can actually go and go to the lobby. When they deliver your food, you can get your food and be in your room. So what about who's getting ice? Who, I guess, is obviously no walking the halls. Oh, oh, right. We, we, um, we give them, we provide them. The nurses and, uh, or the midwives, we, you know, we provide them wise. We go, we get it. We try to help as much as we can. If they are in the room also, in my place, uh, we do have... Uh, wireless monitoring so they can go to the shower they can go to birding rolls they can walk around in the room they can do a lot of things are we still doing that but you have to have your face mask all of everybody is with face masks including mom and label that must be so hard because there's so much it heavy is. breathing um, it is <laughs> to then have a mask on. I mean, I a hundred percent support the safety of it. I'm just more thinking about the physiology of all the breathing. Um, and then, you know, still staying hydrated during this. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it is hard. It is hard. It is hard for, I mean, we feel bad. Yeah. I feel very bad. I feel very bad. Even I can't, they can't see our expressions. All they see is our eyes. Yeah. And, and it is, it, it is a less human touch. But and, that's, uh, and that's the reason I wanted to go deep into these conversations is so people yeah. know what to expect. I think if we know what to expect, it can take some of the fear and anxiety out. doesn't mean it's yeah. going to take it away, but it just right. knows that, okay, this is what I can expect. I'm going to have a mask. Everyone's going to have a mask. I'm going to go to triage. I'm going to go to my room. Like it's just a little bit more digestible as opposed to what's behind the curtain. Like they, they know what's to come and they can prepare and their, their birth team can prepare for that. Right, right. We do that. We uh, they can they can uh, be. We try to do as comfortable as possible, as humane as possible. We we stay in the room. We talk about it, and we are there. I I I particularly I am with my mask. She's with a mask. I give her a hug. I mean, they told us six feet of separation. We can't have that. And labor and delivery, there is not such a thing. 
I am next to I'm her. just picturing someone birthing and the care provider six feet away being like, you're doing a great job, okay? <laughs> exactly. No, it, it doesn't happen. And, and labor and delivery doesn't. Believe me, even if we had a, a, a mother who was COVID positive, we did. We couldn't. There is, it's a touching. We got to touch her body. Yeah. I got to be right there. And there's no way to be that. The only thing is a lot, we have to be very protected. We have to use a lot of gowns and, and more, uh, you know, masks and a little more careful. And that is that. Yeah. What advice would you give to expectant parents as they prepare for the birth during social distancing and this pandemic? Well, one of the things that I will say that they should keep themselves in a stay home, not to be exposed to anyone until you have the baby. And probably a little more than postpartum period too, but at least until you you have the baby. So that way it's you are completely, um, you don't have any uh, risks to be become positive. And also you, um, you're going to feel much better about it. You can have a skin to skin right away. And, and even though if we you become positive, we do have a little skin to skin, but it's going to be a little less. You're going to be separated from your baby. But if you're not, you are going to be with your baby. You are going to room in with your baby and skin to skin right away. Um, we do delay cord clumping. We do all the things that we usually offer. And especially if you are negative, we are going to do a lot of more things with you. You can, it's your own baby. You're going to be kissing your baby. You're going to be holding your baby. And, and that is going to happen. So we tried as much as possible to tell them to stay at home. Don't get out. Are you also advising them to stay home longer while they're in labor and come in? You know, again, everyone's going to have their own threshold yeah. that they can handle, um, right. handle labor. But are you advising in general, like, don't come until you really need to. Right. Yes. Yes. And then yeah, what about, we advise him. and then this might sound, mm-hmm. this is more, again, podcasts are, you know, worldwide, but this, so this question is right. more in New York city, but how are you advising people to get to the hospital? Um, because, oh, I see. you know, like yeah. in, it's not sometimes someone's going to hop on a subway, but there may not be cabs around. Like in, you know, in outside of New York, you know, people have their own cars. But right. how are you advising your clients to actually get there? Well, um, I think even these days, Uber is less, right? I heard that it's less, uh, less amount of cars or taxis. Okay. Uh, yeah. We try to see how close they are to us. First of all, we want to know how close you live closer to the hospital. And we advise not not to call 911 at all. And we advise not to be taking any ambulance because you don't want to be in that ambulance, mm-hmm. really. Because there are more chances that ambulance was someone who carried uh, someone who was infected. Right. So you don't want to be in that. So um, if you can get um, I'm, I'm any kind of transportation at Uber, it would be nice. If you are a first-time mom and you are closer and there is no car, I think, hmm, I don't know, the train, I don't know. Someone yeah. has to be, yeah, yeah. I, I, that. I take the train, and I have no problem with that. But uh, I don't advise that either, because you don't want to have a baby in the train. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you don't. Yes, exactly. Um, it's just that 
a little uh, harder to be telling you about that part. Um, yeah. I, That's I, okay. I was just wondering if you yeah. told your, if you guys had any um, just thoughts for your, for your clients. So I know new parents are not spending a lot of time in the hospitals after birth. What kind of follow-up is done for the mom and baby? We try to call um, uh, two weeks after they had a baby and to see how it's the adjustment. And before that also, we wanted to know what is the support system that they have. Who else is going to be with them? Sometimes they do have already leaving them uh, uh, a mother or someone in there with them already. So we tried that, and we wanted to see if you have enough support system. If you don't, we're going to call you, and at, we give you a little period of adjustment sometimes because, you you know, when you just went home, you just still with a whole hormonal high that you are doing well. It starts to change once you are within the week or two because the sleeping pattern is different and you are going to be more tired and all that. So we call them. And also we just tell them before that you have to make sure you have everything pre-done. Like I was saying, you can have even your meals cooked already. Just put it in the freezer. So that way you don't have to think about it. Or else have a, a way that they can send you the food, friends and all that, they can send you something. Mm-hmm. Be ready. So instead to be you thinking about the food because you need to be also well fed and rest. And if you don't have any food, you, you know, it's, you're not going to be thinking about that. You're not going to produce more milk. We want you to be stress-free as much as possible because you are going to be, if it is a stress, you're not going to form milk. Mm-hmm. And you're going to stress more, more and more. You're not going to sleep well. Baby's going to cry. It's going to be a whole pattern that is going to be not good for both of you or the three of you now. So um, so that is one of the things we advise. A support system, meals on uh, how they're going to do about the meals, and just prepare ahead before you even have the baby. So you do about a, two, a one or two week check in, and what happens at the six week checkup? Are you are they coming in, or are you doing that through telehealth as well? We we do it at telehealth unless if you had a C section, we want to see how is the, the incision. The incision. Yeah. yeah, and also if there is a um, let's say a vaginal and had a, some uh, like um, some kind of tearing, we want to just find out if that is going well or not. So we want to first we want to find out what is going on. If it's necessary to come in, they can come in. But over the phone, we can we can talk. What about? And I know it's it's more rare than before. What about preeclampsia? I mean, there's so many things that can happen in those first 42 days that they may not even know. So, are you are they getting sent home with kind of a checklist of keep your eye yeah. out for? Okay. Yes, 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 yes. And we we kind of like if. If a woman had already kind of developed a little bit of higher blood pressure during labor, we already tell them, you know, be aware about that, take your blood pressure, let us know about all the signs, you know, headaches and how it starts. Because it starts quick, not quickly, but it starts some signs that mm-hmm. you sometimes are very subtle and you're really not thinking about it. And you're thinking maybe that's part of the postpartum. Mm-hmm. But we just tell them, be aware about that. That's and then a, yeah, just so call important. Us. 
I'm glad yeah. that you do keep it. I was always wondering about that six week because, you know, it, it tends to be pretty quick in general, but it is important still to have that contact and make sure everything's okay. This is my, okay, I, I'm going to out myself that I love talking about pelvic floor stuff because I've been doing that in my yoga for years. So talk to me a little bit about what happens at that six week for a conversation about the pelvic floor, which I ask my students all the time, how's your pelvic floor? How are your abs? So what is addressed then? Because some students don't even know, like I've had some students say, I just feel this heaviness. I took a mirror, something's kind of hanging out. I'm like, oh, you don't want things hanging out. So what kind of conversation is held about the pelvic floor at that point? Yeah. uh, Well, what we do is we talk about how they feel. First of all, if that person is going to be having um, that problem, it's already telling us what is a muscle vaginal. It's it's happening in there. So we go over and we ask, how about the Kegels? Are you doing the Kegels? Did you have some tearing in there? And all that. And also when we say we already reviewing what she had it. Sometimes when we even write in there, I can say that the tissue was not as healthy as it was. And we, we write it, and we, we talk about it, and we say, okay, how is the tearing? How is the healing? How you feel about it? And we ask if they're doing Kegels or not. Can you do the Kegels or not? And all those things. So if we see that she's still having a problems, saying, I do, we try to do an in-person visit because we wanted to know. And also, um, we got to remember that the muscle takes time to go back. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's not going to go immediately. Even six weeks is still a little early because it's not yet. And it takes time. And some women, every woman is a little different. Yeah, some women have, speed, yeah. It can take even yeah. longer because the muscle's not quite, doesn't have the right. same strength. Right. So, and, and, uh, but we recommend it to do Kegels. That way you're starting to move your muscles. You're starting to it's strengthen a little. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Kegels is a must. Uh, we talk Kegels also when we are discharging. I already tell them how you have to be doing your Kegels, and uh, and they can every woman can know how the Kegels are doing. You you are gonna know how if you're doing correctly or not. I said put your finger in there. Don't be afraid. It's your body, and it's something very open. Should be very open when we talk about woman to woman, and also I have to teach them every all every all all those things, mm-hmm. including you know including. You know, sometimes you said you, you're afraid that you, I have my tear. Should I have sex? When is the time to have sex? We have to talk everything about that. I'm glad you give them yeah. that time to do so because I know a lot of times those postpartum visits are very quick. So I'm glad yeah. that you give those times. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. how do you see or how do you foresee healthcare continuing in the near future that with what's going on? Do you continue, do you think you guys will be continuing to have more telehealth and in person for a while? Well, I think we're going to have telehealth, but I think, I think that is also a biased midwife thinking the whole maternal care have to change and we will change it because of the whole idea now, how it was with the hospitals, what was the infection was more hospital related and pregnancy is a health Healthy, healthy, physiological, normal thing that it happens in any human being, right? So, and uh, we thinking that all about maternal care should be focused a little differently, and maybe should be not in a hospital per se, 
or save it also for just for high-risk pregnancy when it's necessary, more interventions and all that. And everything normal should be changed. We should be doing in more, maybe more birthing centers, mm-hmm. maybe more community centers. And I have idea and dream that maybe we should have a maternal uh, small hospitals in every borough, which will be everything just related to women, everything just related to normal pregnancy. And, and that will be much more, I think, better care for a woman. I know. Wouldn't that be great if there was... That would be, yeah. Do you remember I'm there a, used to be a freestanding birth center in New York? Well, right. <laughs> a yeah. long, long, long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Well, there is one other thing that had happened with Como. Como, uh, because of these things, we were working uh, at the city level that we should be having um, birthing centers, community centers, and open up some emergency centers because this thing was really going and affecting so many women. So uh, he uh, got um, already the plan that he had approved that we can open up birthing centers, midwifery birthing centers. So we are right now into that. And uh, I don't know, the, the task, the task uh, group that they have is just more medicalized. And I'll see how it's going to come out. Um, uh, not much involvement uh, about midwives um, who do in home births or in the only birthing center, which is Brooklyn. Uh, so they're not involved. So we'll see how it's going to happen and what is going to happen about that. But for me, as a midwife, um, they should be invited more uh, community midwives, meaning home birth midwives and, and midwives who work in a birthing center. That she should be, nice. be the ones not they they invited so many other people who are not in the business of that which is not going to be good but it would be nice to see that through yeah. this experience this kind of turmoil that on the other side we can make improvements i or, think we are i hope so okay we're gonna take another quick break and we come back now you have a vast amount of knowledge so this could be covid related or not it could just be your knowledge as a midwife one tip or piece of advice you'd like to offer new and expectant parents we'll be right back Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, we are back. What is one tip or piece of advice you'd like to offer new or expectant parents? Um... You mean in, in this era or in it general? It could be anything from all of your vast knowledge. So if you want to make it COVID-related, you can. If it's just if you want to just talk about anything that you think that new parents would like to know, please share. Well, yeah. One of the things that I would recommend to the, any new parent, remember the pregnancy is something physiological and normal. You have to follow your body as a woman. Follow your body, what is telling you your body. And you just not have to be too much stressed about it. You just have to be go with the, I would say, go with the flow. <laughs> and um, 
and any other things. It's just, you know, your best person to talk about anything should be your provider. If it's your midwife, your midwife. If you feel very close to your doctor, talk with your doctor. And um, as a midwife, we are trying to be really personal, and we just talk about everything. And uh, it should be that the person. And also, it's according to what is your relationship. So I would say, if you're not happy with one provider, you, you are free to choose another provider that you're going to feel really good and close, that there is a relationship. And that is what you need. You need someone you can trust, and then you will feel much better in that way. I love that. That is something I say yeah. all the time. You have to trust your care provider. You have to make yeah. sure it's the right fit. I have, in fact, I'll make sure I put on the show notes. I did a podcast and a blog on the five questions you should ask your care provider before your birth, because not everyone's the right fit. You know, if somebody um, doesn't really trust the physiology of birth, a midwife may not be the person for them. If they really want, you know, like all the bells and whistles. And if someone really does uh, want less intervention then a midwife is that person as opposed to a high risk doctor. So really finding, finding the right fit. And there's no, there's no right answer. It's just really digging deep to what, how you feel the safest to give birth. Yeah. I, I, I I will say that you have to see exactly what is, what you what your needs are. If you're a person who is more scared about pain or not, so choose a place that you're gonna have in the hospital, you're gonna have your epidural. So that will be one of the things. But if you want a normal thing and you're not, also choose the person is for you. But remember, you all these things you're gonna build up the trust since the very beginning. Mm-hmm. How you're gonna be because you're gonna trust in that person, you're gonna talk about that person. We're gonna be going like hand in hand as as the pregnancy goes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That is I got your thing. birth posse. <laughs> exactly. I, I I said to my moms, listen, you have to investigate, you have to research. And one of the things that a lot of people do when let's say one example, you wanna eat something you immediately check online and you immediately check the ratings. Mm-hmm. And why you don't do it that if you, this is about your life, the life of your baby, that is a must to do. We don't do too much, correct? You don't do those things. And that is one of the important things to do it. Research it, follow, interview, interview go there. If it's not the fit for you, choose another one. I hundred percent agree. So where you mentioned it one time, but one more time, where can people find your work? Uh, either you can find me if you want a one-to-one or more, uh, closeness, um, uh, prenatal care, it will be in village maternity. And, um, I am in there and also I am the hospitalist for that practice. And if you want to come, come directly to, um, to us, we do see you in Metropolitan Hospital. We do have a, um, a clinic, what we call just the midwives. So when you are there, we are a group of nine midwives that we practice exactly the same, and we're going to take care of you exactly the same. All of us are a wonderful group. Our voices change, our faces change, but the management will not change. Mm, so excited. I'm obviously, yeah. I mean, I am a little biased towards midwives. Yes. I love OBs, had an open mind too, yeah. but I am a little biased, so you have my heart. <laughs> well, thank you yeah. so, so much. I truly appreciate your time. I know you are crazy busy. You are still attending birth day and night, so I really appreciate you giving me an hour of your time. No, thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. All right. Take care. Bye. This has been an episode of Yoga Birth Babies, produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. 
You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Thanks for listening. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.